Greetings. Uh, my name is Kate Rademacher, and I am delighted and honored to be here with one of my favorite writers, Sophronia Scott. Sophronia um, was, is really uh, blessing us with her presence today. Tomorrow, her new book comes out um, March 1st, and it's wild, beautiful, and free. Um, I was honored to get an early copy, and I'm delighted to be here with Sophronia talking about your new book. Congratulations. The book is really gorgeous on every level, physically and the writing. <laughs> story are just really, really amazing. So congratulations. Thank you, Kate. I'm, I'm thrilled about it. Well, I would love to just start off, um, you know, I would like to hear about the project in general and how, you know, how this came to be, but maybe you can start by telling us about the main character, Jeanette. She really just grabbed my attention from page one. So can you just describe um, sort of a little bit about Jeanette and, and who she is and sort of how she's navigating different identities? Yeah, she she's meant to be a powerful heroine. I envisioned her that way from the jump. Uh, she, uh, when you meet her, she is about 12 years old. She is the daughter of an enslaved woman who died giving birth to her and of the plantation owner at a, on a plantation in, the, um, in Louisiana. And, but the father loved the mother, uh, loves the child, and so raises Jeanette in his house, along with his white wife and white daughter, and um, cares for her deeply until he suddenly dies. And his wife, who of course never liked the idea of this interloper being in her house anyway, uh, sells Jeanette into slavery. And she begins a journey of coming of age in dealing with slavery, dealing with um, being a, a mixed race person who in 18... 50s America really has no place in society. So figuring out how is she going to escape this situation and, and how is she going to live in the world, but then also how to get back home to claim her birthright. Because her father did set aside very specific property for her, wanted her to have it, wanted her to, to have a home, and she is determined to reclaim it. Yeah, and thank you for that. I mean, her story is so harrowing to go from living, what is it called, the big house or the, the main house um, in her childhood, and then suddenly her beloved father dies and she's sold into slavery, as you say. It's just so deeply disturbing to read about. And one of those, one of the early chapters, the man who, um, who actually facilitates that sale tells her not to speak, um, yeah. you know, that she would be, uh, anyone would understand that she's educated if they heard her speak. So for several yeah. chapters, doesn't speak. And so yeah. you know, I thought that that was a, a, a compelling, you know, part of this whole experience for her. So maybe you can talk a little bit more about that sort of find her, her you know, the role of her voice um, in all of this. Yeah. And, and this is something that, that drives her the fact that, uh, that she spent so long unable to, to speak, and that she, she understands the, the, the power of that. And, and it drives her like she will not put be put in a situation um, again, where her voice is silenced, but um, but it also makes her realize uh, again that the markings of how how her father cared for her, the fact that she she does sound different, the fact that she has a, an exquisite knowledge of of geography and has a sense of of where she is in the world, um, and she knows that she's different. But instead of having that um, make her ashamed. She's, she's determined to live this existence. Okay, this is who I am. Um, 
my father's care made me who I am, but, but how do I live this out? Right? Where do I belong in this world? And without um, giving things away, I mean, do you feel like by the end of the book, she does find her place in the world? I mean, is that sort of where this is heading for her? I think um, the biggest part of her journey is not just going home, but, but learning how to navigate the, the negative feelings that come from her situation. And she actually learns a big chunk of that early on from her friend, Fanny, who, who looks after her a good amount when, when she is a slave. And, and the, the bigger part of, of Jeanette wants to be angry, wants to be resentful and, and deep in that anger. And Fanny tells her, you know, you can't let other people make you this. This is not who you are meant to be. You are not naturally an angry person and, and, and really makes her focus on uh, the, the love of her father, that despite the situation that she is not meant to, to be a certain way. So that's hard to hear, especially when terrible things happen to Fanny. So, so Jeanette is, has taken this feed of what Fanny has taught her about forgiveness. And she is, she is trying to grasp that. What does this mean? Right. And, and how, how do I live when, when all of these awful things keep happening? Yeah. Thank you for that. And I, you know, one of the things that struck me about the relationship with Fanny was their discussions about faith Yeah, and Fanny, you know, sort of seeming to have a simple, but very pure faith and, and in their conversations, Jeanette sort of struggling with her own faith. And I know that you are a person of faith and a faith-based writer. And, you know, your last book um, previous to this was The Seeker and the Monk about Thomas Merton. And so can you just talk about the theme of faith throughout the book and how how you approach fiction writing as someone um, who's, you know, writing and thinking about faith in general? You know, Kate, it's it's interesting to me when that comes up, when people say, well, there's there's faith in the book, but it's okay. It's it's not a religious book and all of this. And I, I find it interesting that people kind of zoom in on that. <laughs> like, well, to me, it's like, I don't know, the struggle of of life of, of any character involves of, of your way of thinking about the world, right? And and for a lot of us, the way we think about the world is based on faith. So how am I going to draw a character who is struggling with awful things if, if God is not somehow in the picture? <laughs> so, um, so to me, it's it, it, that's just a given. I'm going to talk about that. But it's also important because what is the thing that we say when, when bad things happen? We say, you know, can't believe God did this. What kind of God would allow this? And, and to me, it's like, well, I don't think that's how it works. And if that's not how it works, then we need to rethink how we relate to God, especially in the tragedy of our lives. So, um, so when, when I write fiction, it, it tends to be showing how characters work out issues that, that relate to all of us. Well, I really appreciate that about this book because the faith is sort of woven in, like just, you know, so seamlessly, as you're sort of saying, as part, it's how she's dealing, making sense of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, just to go back to, to some of the difficult things in the early part of the book, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'll just share that when I was reading, I was totally gripped and absorbed. And there's a difficult um, situation that happens early after she was sold into slavery that involves sexual assault. And just as I was reading that, my 17-year-old daughter walked in the room and there was just such a painful juxtaposition of this just, you know, difficult 
um, situation on the page and my beautiful daughter standing there. And, you know, I, I had this temptation to put the book down just because it was so hard, not because I wasn't loving it. And so, you know, we're interviewing this, um, we're, we're interviewing, um, you know, uh, this in the middle of Black History Month, or I guess, guess at the end of Black History Month. And so just as our, our country continues to deal with the legacy of violent white suppressed the reality today, the history and the reality of violent white supremacy. And how, how do you think we can like, how do you think novels like yours help us continue to not look away from these difficult and painful realities? You know, what, some of what you're talking about actually harkens back to my previous novel, Unforgivable Love. And one of the points I, I make in that novel is that the things that happen, um, a lot of things that happen in terms of sexual abuse to me happens because we don't talk about it. We don't talk about it with our children. We don't help them develop their sexuality. And that makes them pray to other people who, who, who use that power against them. So, so to me, I, I think it's important to, to talk about this because it is part of our history, right? Um, you know, we have a mixed race characters in this book. Really, I'm willing to bet tons of us in this country, we are all mixed race, whether we realize it or not, because of, of this history, right? So it is, we, we cannot ignore it. So it is going to be part of this, this story. Um, and again, it's a horrible thing where, to me, there's a decision that has to be made about whether one lets lets the abuse destroy them or whether you find some way to move through it and not forget about it, but not let it, not carry it with you your whole life. Right. Well, and this is maybe a good segue. We, before we started recording, we were talking about the idea of courageous compassion um, yeah. and that, you know, compassion perhaps without courage um, isn't as powerful. And so, just as, you know, I was, I was thinking about your characters and some of them are really difficult, including the white um, wives of, um, of these men um, who, who commit some of these horrible acts of sexual assault, sexual violence. So my question for you is, as a writer, do you have compassion for all your characters? Do you empathize with all of them? Are there some characters you write about that you just don't? don't have compassion for or don't you know can't stand essentially okay i'm sitting at my desk right here kate here's a star <laughs> it says <laughs> compassion compassion is written on it because it's something that i need to keep in front of me um i think compassion and empathy is hugely important not for for people who create stories like myself but but for how we work our way through differences Right. How how are we to work through issues of racism and 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 disagreement and abuse if we don't try to have some form of compassion and understanding for this other person, even if they <laughs> do horrible things to me or other people. Right. That person, whether we want to admit it to or not, that person is somebody's child. Right. And and. They are, there is something that brought them to this point. And 
they are human beings as well as we are. So we cannot, we cannot dismiss someone else because how, how does that make us any different from them? Right. That, that to, if they are looking at, at me or someone like me as less than, then for me to return that hatred is to do the same. Right. And I don't think there are, that our hearts are meant to do that. Um, my, my friend Jane, who lives down the street, said, you know, I think you're all about redemption. And, and I said, yeah, I guess so. I, I don't throw people away. But I also think that that's, we're not meant to do that. We are not meant to do that. And, uh, and I also think that that is what carries us through the world when bad things do happen to us. Right? That, that we have to be able to forgive in order to move on. Not to forget, not to you know, put, let people off the hook but to, to not lose sense of our own humanity. Right. Well, and just as you were, just as you were speaking, I thought um, a passage from your book came to my mind. And so maybe um, I could ask you to read it. I have it right here. It's on page 66. And so um, maybe if you're willing to read it. So what, what's happening here is you mentioned Fanny, um, page 66 at the bottom. You mentioned Fanny um, was one of, Jeanette's beloved friends. And, um, you know, what you were just describing about having compassion for your character. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm looking at the paragraph that's, that starts, my skin felt like I touch hot coals and, and just the inner narrative that, that, that Jeanette has at that time. Do you want to do, would you be willing yeah. to read that section? Yes. Yeah. So um, what is happening here is that uh, poor Fanny is giving birth to a child as a result of having been uh, raped repeatedly by the um, overseer. And as she is giving birth, she is in labor. The wife of the overseer has come out and is, is you know, being abusive to, to Fanny. And Jeanette, is, um, Jeanette is, is basically getting the woman away from her. And the woman is, is whipping uh, Jeanette as a result. And, and I'll take up a sentence beforehand when she's whipping Fanny. She managed to strike me on the arm I had raised to protect myself. The sleeve of my dress tore. She landed another lash on my shoulder. My skin felt like I'd touched hot coals. I looked at Mrs. Everett and saw the purple welt bleeding on her chin and realized I could hate this woman, but what would I be hating? I saw a soul so sad and furious she didn't know herself. And I was no more to her than a spider she wanted to crush underfoot. I'd have to work hard, make numerous changes in my brain to create hate for such a pitiful person. What would I have to mold myself into to conjure such hate? Fanny had been right. I wouldn't be myself if I did it. Thank you for that. I hear a little Thomas Merton in that too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, just, I, I was just trying not to cry because I haven't looked at that in a while. So, yeah. right. But yeah. A question: I could hate this woman. What would I be hating? You yeah, know, just how sad she is. Yeah. <clears throat> well, thank you for reading that to us. 
Um, and just, you know, I mentioned the reason I mentioned Thomas Martin, for those who don't know, you know, your previous nonfiction book, The Seeker and the Monk, was about your journey with Thomas Martin. So one question I had for you was just as a writer, mm-hmm. what's the difference? How is the process different for you writing fiction um, versus nonfiction? Can you just talk a little bit about sort of the journey you go through as a writer and sort of how, yeah, just how the process is different, if at all? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> when people ask me about that, I tend to say, that, that when I have something that I really want to say that 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 a hard thing, I tend to write fiction because it's easier. I think it's easier to absorb uh, to to hear it in a story, right? Um, and this particular story for me was important because I I know how a character like this changed my life. Right. So I, I read Jane Eyre when I was like 13. And, and you mentioned the interior dialogue just now. You know, um, reading Jane Eyre taught me how to think. You know, I had a difficult childhood and I wanted nothing more than to, to get out of that house. But I didn't know how to do that. And reading Jane Eyre, you know, that character thought her way through things. She taught me how to think. She taught me how to think about my life. She taught me how to think about even just how to get out of a situation, right? Okay, I need to leave here. How do I do that? I need to get a job. Well, how do I get a job? Well, I don't have any connections. I must advertise. I think that's even the sentence in the book. I must advertise, right? So, so to me, you know, the, the big idea in my mind was I wanted to create a character like that for women of color. I wanted to to have the 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 heroine with a capital, you know, beautiful H, you know, somebody who not only inspired but but who would walk with pe- people. Like I first, I first, I see women having read this character and not forgetting her, and even thinking, okay, you know, Jeanette did this, I can do this, right? So, um, so I I think in a big picture way when I'm I'm writing fiction. Right, big landscape, um, imagery, scene. You know, how do I put you into this image of, of my brain and tell you this story, which I think is, is so important and so beautiful. When I write nonfiction, I feel that I tend to be answering questions. Right. So the Tom Thomas Merton book, for example, came about because of the response to to the way I spoke about him at a conference and people coming up to me. And, and I realized that people uh, didn't know how to get into Merton. You know, they love him, you know, they, they've heard about him, but they are intimidated by him, this man who's written all of this. And so I realized, you know, why don't I just share with you how I read Merton, right? And, and um, you know, the, the book I wrote with my son, This Child of Faith, I'm answering a question people are asking about, well, how, how does your son, how did he develop his faith and how do you do that, right? It's like, okay, well, let me share my journey with you. And, and that's how nonfiction tends to come about for me. Thank you. I love that, that nonfiction is about answering questions. And then it sounds like writing fiction is more about being on a journey with your character just as the journey as the as as Jeanette was taking this journey you're you're journeying with her and I like that you know heroine with the big H and that's clearly what she is and also just 
you know, I'm looking at the poster behind you and I have the book with me. It's, it's just a beautiful book physically. And the, and of course the word beautiful is in the title. Can you just say a little bit about the title wild, beautiful, and free? What this, you know, does this, does this have any, you know, special meaning for you or I mean, you know, it's straightforward, but <laughs> well, Bill, my editor actually uh, put that together. Um, she said, she said, do you realize these are the words you, um, you, you describe uh, Colchester's eyes? And, and I hadn't really thought about that phrase or even to pull it out and put it on a book cover. And I'm like, wow, yeah, I guess so. Um, because because I, do, I do feel that, that um, there is an energy about this character and about the way she lives her life, as quiet as, as it may seem in certain ways, but that, that she, is, she is fierce in a certain way, right? And, um, and wild in that she is, really tamed by nobody and, and determined to live her life in a certain way. So, um, so I loved that. And, but, but there were things that, that we talked about and I said, okay, but we have a title like that. I do not want people on the cover because I don't want it to look like a romance novel, which it is not. Right. So, um, so I liked that, that the designer uh, um, who designed this and I will even say, her name. I just want to get it right. I think it's uh, Leslie Worrell. Leslie Worrell designed the cover of this book. Yeah, Leslie Worrell. And I loved that that it focuses on what what could be a depiction of Catalpa Valley, right? The the home, the land, and these striking colors, which um, which actually you know reminded me of Gone with the Wind, right? <laughs> so I was like, okay. <laughs> So it, it makes the cues, right? The cues that this is the South, right? And and I love the font, which is, you know, um, 1800s um, font. So I, I feel like in many ways, the cover of this book tells the story of the book. So I'm, I'm just thrilled by it. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Well, and when you were talking about the title, you mentioned the character of Colchester. Can you just tell us a little bit about him and, and how that relationship with Jeanette evolves? Uh, he He's a curious character himself because... He, he owned a plantation himself. He inherited it in the South. And, but when he did so, he set the slaves free and uh, essentially moved, uh, moved everyone because he, he understood that they really wouldn't be free if they remained in the South, essentially moved everyone to Ohio and um, helped them establish a, uh, their own village, right? And that's how Jeanette, comes to be there. She is hired to be the teacher um, in this village of free people of color. And he is, uh, is, is someone who seems to be um, a man of, of means, but not comfortable in those means, right? And, and as a young man who has been, you know, given his way most of his life, he is rambunctious in that way and, and untamed, um, something that, that he and Jeanette can relate to, right? He is untamed in a certain way, um, has a love of Louisiana in the same way that she does. And so they 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 bond um on that, even though he's he's you know the the once white owner of this place, right? So um but but she and maybe it's through a sense of compassion, maybe because on a certain level he probably reminds her of her father, but but you know she feels connected to him. 
Well, I'm, you know, this is, I just really want to, again, congratulate you on this book. It's such a, it's such a sweeping and, and beautiful and challenging novel. And, you know, you said a few minutes ago, just in, just as we sort of close up, I want to ask you sort of, you know, what are your hopes for the book? You mentioned um, a minute ago, sort of Jane Eyre and women of color and sort of this heroine with this big H, um, you know, I think that's, that's really beautiful. Is there anything else that sort of you want to just say about what you hope this book kind of accomplishes in the world or where it's heading? You know, of, of course, I would love for it to reach a huge audience and to be a bestseller. But but I have to say that, you know, the, the emails that I've been getting already from, and I've been getting them from, from people who are, who are white, as well as, especially white men. I've gotten some emails from white men telling me how this book has touched them, right? Um, I want this book to, to have people think about empathy, to think about compassion, to, to think about where they find forgiveness in their own lives. And that has been exciting. I've been getting emails um, and messages, and, and, um, and I think it's in some of the reviews, like if you read some of the reviews on Goodreads and Amazon, um, you know, there are people saying that this book has, has changed their lives, you know, that changed their life. And, they can't, um, they can't forget about it. They, they didn't want to put it down. Uh, one woman said that, that she feels like she wants to keep it with her and, and keep reading it again and again, right? So, so to me, that's, that's huge. To already have done that for however many people, I think the book is, a, is in my book, a success already. So yes, it would, so uh, wouldn't it be awesome to have that sense on a bigger scale? But, but even to do that for one person is special. Yeah, well, and and what's amazing is we're actually speaking the day before the book officially comes out. Um, mm-hmm. So the book is officially coming out March 1st, 2023, and today is February 28th. So these are pre-reads that are so really amazing. Congratulations that already people are just having this outpouring of reaction, and I can totally understand why. So can you tell us where can we get the book? Where can folks get the book, and where can they find out more information about you and your writing? Well, of course, you should always... Um support your independent booksellers at, at bookshop.org. But, but the book is published by an imprint of, of Amazon. So the, the book is everywhere. <laughs> so um, it is on Audible. Uh, you can get it on, via CD. They also have MB, MP3s of it. Uh, it's hardcover. They're also paperback version. This book is out there. <laughs> so you can get it any way you want it. It's on Kindle. So Great. yeah, well, you'll find so it. Much. Thank you so much for your words and thank you for your time today. This is again, Sophronia Scott. She's the author of Wild, Beautiful and Free, which is just available now everywhere. And um, really strongly encourage you to check it out. It's an amazing book. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Kate. And blessings as you move forward with the launch. Thank you. Thanks again. Take care.